0: welcome to this week's failed critics podcast i'm steve norman and i am joined by owen hughes hello liam Hello, and Maya Brooker. Hello there. As we have a bit of a Stephen King themed podcast this week with the release of uh, Dark Ta- or Dark Tower, um, we are going to be taking a triple bill uh, of our favourite Stephen King adaptations, as well as the uh, usual bits and pieces. Uh, and a review of the Dark Tower itself. We're going to start off with the quiz with me hosting and um uh, Owen, oh, what's the score at the moment? It's still
1: nil-nil because we haven't had a quiz since you lost. With since you lost <laughs> ages ago and Sumo could not have somehow connived to not review Dangerous Game yet. I don't know how that has happened.
0: Well, we we were gonna have a football special mm. with Paul Field, and that didn't happen, and that's when we were both gonna watch it for that. And then we did our Sharknado thing. And it didn't yeah. really fit with that. And then last week I just didn't bother. <laughs> no, t- no. To be honest, I I can't remember where the source was that I was watching it oh, from. Oh dear. <laughs> um, but if you want to send if you want to send it to me again, I'll happily watch it for um for uh, next week's podcast. But yes, we do have a quiz. I've uh, themed it around Stephen King himself because it seemed appropriate, mm-hmm. and I was lacking original ideas day um so it's it's owen versus uh, maya and liam who were playing on my behalf trying to score a point for me and the first question all multiple choice the first question uh, when stephen king first started writing he used a pseudonym what was it was it a richard backman b richard hackman or c richard buckman
1: uh, i know this one so, do you want me to go second?
0: Yeah. You go second if you think you know it.
2: I think, oh, isn't the first one his real name? So, I don't know. a Richard Buckman is definitely one he used, but whether that's his real name... That he Didn't he use that name for, like, the... The other type of novel at first, and then use Stephen King for horror.
0: So I'm I'm just going from his IMDb trivia page. I mean, I've not I got a great, no I've no, not got yeah. a great deal of information from that. Yeah. There. Would you like to hazard a guess? Was it A. Backman, B. Hackman, or C. Buckman?
2: I'd guess at A,
3: but I don't know it. We'll go for A then, because I have no idea. Okay.
0: And Owen, you say you
1: know the answer? Yeah, his pseudonym, his um, uh, whatever they call it when they stuff, uh, pen name, was Backman.
0: Yes, you're both correct. It was uh, Richard Backman. Answer A. Um, the second question, uh, which of these statements is true? Um, He burns the books of anyone who sends him one asking for it to be signed and returns the ashes to the person. B, he won't sign autographs due to superstition. Or C, he won't uh, sign autographs as he hates uh, the idolising of celebrities.
3: Oh. oh interesting
0: all of all of the one of them is true. The other two were were strongly rumored but uh proved false
3: um hmm
1: I reckon it's c I reckon he doesn't like the idolizing of celebrity status
2: yeah that that's it I think Wingo Starr do something very really similar to this because he put out some video. Oh yeah, constantly repeating the words "peace" and "love," peace and love. I won't sign anything. Yeah, he was love. sick of it, wasn't he? Uh, because he's, yeah, he was sick to death of it, and I think that.
0: But that's but isn't that sounds strange? Because there's that Simpsons episode where Marge does the, and you know, yeah, he does his voice in it, I believe, and and like he's sign, he's you know replying personally to every oh, bit oh, of correspondence right. yeah. he gets.
2: Yeah, I think that might have given yeah. people <laughs> ideas or something. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I think uh, it'd
2: be B, but I'm not entirely that. sure. I'm more than willing to go with that, because I think C sounds a bit Ringo. Yeah. What happened with Ringo? So, yeah, I'd be able to go with B then, yeah.
0: And Owen, what did you want to go for? Uh, the
1: uh, I think it was C, the celebrity status one.
0: Okay. Uh, Owen, you are correct. It's C. He won't oh. sign them as he hates idolising celebrities. The one I wanted to be true was burning yeah. the books and sending the ashes yeah. back to people. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, Question three, with it being 2-1 to Owen. He wrote uh, the novel Running Man in how many days? 10 days, 50 days, or 100 days?
1: There's only one of those that makes sense to me, which would be 10 days, because then it would be trivia. Um,
2: yeah. I th- yeah. Because it doesn't seem particularly over-the-top to do any of the other... Any of the well, other exactly. Team, and it, it? Either and of it's, it's quite either. a... Sh- it's
1: oh, yeah. a short novella, isn't it? Um I yeah. reckon it's A. I reckon
0: 10 days. I think yeah, it is me well,
2: too. to be honest, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes, both teams were right. It is A, uh, meaning it is now 3-2 to Owen. Um The fictional town for question four where many of his stories take place or feature. Now, I went a bit, um, you know, like this morning quiz show um or quiz question on the answers for this is it a casterly rock b castle rock or c fraggle rock
3: <laughs> i know this one.
1: Oh, i don't
0: um if you text in the wrong answer if you text in the wrong answer you will be charged um, but, um yeah
1: uh i don't know this one so i'll guess first and say casterly rock it sounds like something i've heard before but i don't know why
3: I'm pretty sure it's B. I'm reading uh, one of his novels right now, and I'm pretty sure it's B, Castle Rock.
0: Yeah. It uh, sounded familiar to me,
3: actually,
0: yeah. Castle Rock. Yes, um, you, are, you are correct. Uh, Maya and Liam is Castle Rock, poisoning it with a uh, thrill. Um, What's
1: Castly Rock, then? Um, is that from something? Oh, well, and you just will just have like...
0: heard of Castly Rock. You, no, yeah, it is from something. Now, Fraggle Rock is is from Fraggle Rock. <laughs> um yeah. Casterly Rock, Owen. I mean, if you're a fan of the TV show Game of Thrones, is where you would have heard oh, Casterly yes. Rock for. Right. it, it yeah. is it is the seat of House Lannister. Mm.
3: Yes,
1: right. That's why confusing with kings.
0: Yes, yes. Different, uh, different. <laughs> um, yeah, and dragons mm. and stuff. Um, uh, question five: Which Nightmare on Elm Street did he get offered to direct? Was it Nightmare on Elm Street three? Four or five? Oh.
2: To be honest, they fell right off the cliff, <laughs> didn't they? Dream Warriors the is alright.
3: Dream Wars. I th- Yeah, I think it might be three, but I'm yeah. not I'm not sure, to be honest.
2: Yeah. I'm more than happy that's a to go hat, with that's active, a proper
3: guess. I, it. I
1: think three was yeah. the one that kind of not revived that. the series a little bit, because that was Dream Warriors. So I reckon it, probably after that they went, well, Stephen King is a good name.
0: So, yeah, I'll go four. Uh, It was actually number five. Oh. So uh, it's still a tie, um, three apiece, but I've got a tie break. Oh, good. And this is, according to Box Office Mojo, what is the highest grossing uh, Stephen King adaptation movie? Uh, Not what it is. It's the Green Mile. But what did it gross? What is its total gross? That's (laughs)
2: That's shitloads.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if Owen goes for two shitloads or half a shitload, I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite oh, know. Yeah, yeah. But it, the answer is in the answer is in US dollars. I don't even know the ballpark.
1: I can't think what else would have been like. It's not the Dark Tower that's second highest grossing film because that has grossed
0: fuck all in the cinemas. So no, um, the second highest grossing one is one I must admit I've not heard of. One well, uh one four oh
3: eight. Oh, I've watched that. I like that one
0: from from two
3: thousand
2: and seven. Yeah. No, can't say I've even heard of that. Yeah. I watched
0: it. It's uh, no, not very good. I mean, why, why, why you're thinking to, to run through the top ten to kill a bit of time? Three was Misery, or is Misery. Four is Pet Cemetery. Five Stand by Me. Six Secret Window. Seven The Shining. Eight The Dark Tower. Nine The Running Man. And ten is uh two thousand and thirteen's version of Carrie.
1: Well, isn't Shawshank Redemption in there anyway?
0: Shawshank Redemption is fifteenth. Really? Mm. Blimey, that's terrible.
2: Although it wasn't very big at the cinema, was it? So
0: no. Lawnmower, I guess... lawnmower the lawnmower oh, man yeah. did, is thirteenth. Is it's higher than yeah. uh, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Um, but yes, um, let's let's go then. Right. Who's oh, well, You go first. Oof. Oh, I don't know.
1: I th- eighty million dollars. Eight, okay.
0: And Maya and Liam, what would you like to guess? What you do you want to do Liam? one of those sneaky ones where you go eight? You know, uh, you add one, <laughs> you want go one pound over or one pound under just to, 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 sc- to yeah, screw him? seems or... a bit
2: mean spirited not Yeah, it? I, I
3: would have gone <laughs> higher
2: than that. Just Yeah, you... yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so what, so, I don't know, 92 and a half.
3: Yeah, that's fine. It's exactly what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> okay Well <Yeah. laughs> uh, Myra and Liam Myra and Liam have won won the question And won the quiz um, yeah. The correct answer would have been 136,801,374 uh, So Yes they have won That's Owen funny. has lost It's almost twice as much as the second one 1408 yeah. if, if that is of any interest So yeah The Green what Mile did, what, uh, is, the
1: Carrie, is Carrie one. on that list anyway?
0: Carrie, carry the original is 11th um yeah about uh one and a half million dollars behind the 2013 version mm. wow um i mean obviously box office mojo these ones aren't adjusted for inflation or anything like that um but yeah anyway know. that is uh the quiz uh i have got a point owen has not on to next week, let's see what happens. Uh, the news, though, there was one bit of news that Owen wanted to to bring up, which was a, a remake or another adaptation of Nostura, Nostura, the You, you get say it, I can't, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Yeah, Nosferatu. Yeah. Nos- I see him. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. There, there was the, the original was a silent film by F.W. Murnau, which was um, 1922, which is still great. I mean, still just really good and... Atmospheric and creepy and stuff. I guess most people will know Nosferatu because of that version, which has the the sort of lanky, bald, booktooth kind of vampire that creeps around through it. Not too dissimilar to Salem's Lot, actually. The um Stephen King book. Um, but was obviously a rip-off of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, but anyway, regardless of that, it it was remade in the seventies by Werner Herzog which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up because I know Liam uh when we've talked about horror films in the past on the website and on uh on the podcast with you Nosferatu has always sort of creeped up as one of your your favorites the remake um
2: that is with Klaus uh, Kinski that's right Klaus, yeah, the Kinski. Version yeah. with, uh, Klaus Kinski yeah and um the bloke whose name I've never Plays Hitler in downfall uh yeah um, yeah I can never remember his name me neither uh, off, the off the top he's of my head in that. well um, <laughs> no nah. Um I don't know the it's weird they, for some reason they made it twice, once in English, once mm-hmm. in German, mm-hmm. rather than dub it or anything. And I think the guy the only thing I can think of is the guy who Hitler from Downfall, Bella, mm-hmm. um, the only thing he wasn't very good at English and had learnt it sort of of fashion, sort yeah, of. Yeah, phonetically, didn't he? The English version just really doesn't seem to doesn't seem to work. The German version just holds together much better. And yet it's exactly the same film shot at the same time sort of thing, you know? Um, And it just feels a hell of a lot better. Looks and sounds better somehow to me. just works a hell of a lot better. It's a fantastic film. Extremely chilling and cold one. Yeah. Brilliant Mm. film. Really keen on that one.
1: Yeah, it is really good, but it's being, it's being remade by uh, Robert Eggers um, and it will star Anna, Anya Taylor-Joy. If they sound familiar, it's because Robert Eggers is the director of The Witch, which came out uh, technically 2015, but didn't come out over here until 2016, Uh, which was a really interesting, weird, kind of unsettling horror film um, about a family who... um, visited by a witch in the woods, and it's set in a sort of colonial American times. Really interesting horror, which Maya, you've seen as well, I think. Um,
3: yeah, I would definitely think um, unsettling is definitely the word for it. Yeah. I, I watched it and it was just, you know, after I finished, I kept thinking about different scenes and it, it was quite unsettling, but really good at the same time. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was one of those films as well that was funny because, um, well, it wasn't funny, it wasn't a, a comedy, but it was it was interesting, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I guess is more the word, because it was based on lots of um, documented accounts of people from that time who were accused of witchcraft, about um, yeah. the accusations of witchcraft around uh, in that sort of area. I mean, again, just thinking of Salem and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was really
3: interesting for that reason. Mm.
1: A bit like the, there's a Danish film, a Danish silent documentary drama thing called Haxen, uh, which is about witchcraft as well. Which is, yeah, I that's mean, a really kind good, of yeah. Yeah, it is really good. It is really good. It's kind of like that, but completely as a dramatization. Um, which again is why I think you definitely should watch it, Liam. I definitely think it'll be right, right up your yeah. street. Um, but yeah, so the, I mean. The fact that Robert Eggers and Nanya Taylor-Joy are involved in the Nosferatu remake is what fills me with confidence and why I'm happy for them to give that another go. And I think they can do something different than just make another vampire horror. I think that they can do something that's not necessarily been done before or even for a long time. Um, so yeah, so that, that's why I wanted to bring it up. I think it's quite exciting news and I wouldn't normally be all for uh, horror remakes but that one in, in particular stands out to me as, as something perhaps to get excited about.
3: Yeah, if it's got the same kind of feel as uh, The Witch then yeah, it would be something quite interesting to watch.
2: Sounds good to me.
0: Time now for what you've been watching where we take a look at some of the films we've seen in the last week or so Uh, and this part will include um, Owen Meyer's review of The Dark Tower Um, but I'm going to kick us off in this section with what I've seen and the one I want to talk about is a Netflix original called uh, What Happened to Monday. Um, It stars uh, Noomi Rapace, uh, Willem Dafoe, Glenn Close, and it's set uh, in the future, about uh, 60 years into the future from now, and uh, the population of human beings has gone crazy. It says too many people about and people are starving. So what uh, they and um, some other stuff that humans have done have caused cops, the crops to fail and there's not enough food to go around. So what uh, the society has done is decided to limit families to one child. Um, and if um, you have more than one child, the eldest is put into or what we believe to be cryogenic sleep um, to be awakened again once all the problems have been solved and there's enough resources to go around. Um, what then happens is a, a lady uh, has septuplets, seven children, and dies and in childbirth, and her granddad, or the, the children's granddad, played by William Dafoe, <laughs> uh, rather than giving in to the authorities he um takes them all in hides them names them all after one day of the uh, day of the week and they're all allowed out on the one that so monday does monday tuesday does tuesday and mm-hmm. and they grow up like that um but um at, at a point uh they get found out when they're adults by by the government um and then there's different plots um plot threads going on without spoiling it um more and more is revealed as the sisters try and find out what happened basically Monday goes missing. Um, and the sisters have to try and find out what happened to her without, uh, revealing that there's seven of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also another thread about, you know, in in the plot about what happens to the, um, uh, you know, the old, the, the older siblings that get cryogenically frozen. There's kind of a plot surrounding that as well. Um, I suppose in some ways, with with regards to, to Numi Rapace playing seven characters, a bit like, has anyone seen Orphan Black? No. Or know of Orphan Black? I know,
1: I know of it, but I, I haven't watched it yet.
0: Yeah. With, well, that's about cloning, but it's the same woman playing multiple versions of herself or multiple versions of the same clone. And I suppose this is because Numi Rapace playing seven different seven different people, but they're identical septuplets. mm mm-hmm. Um it's It's a clever idea um uh, and at the start, I enjoyed it some of it you know you don't what I thought they were going to overdo, and they didn't in the end was kind of they flash back to when the 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 uh septuplets are children um and this is when willem Defoe's character, the granddad's in it, he's not in it when they're adults, the main body of the film he's not in it, he's passed away or whatever, but um he's in it when they're children are kind of going through. The problems, um, why they can't reveal there's seven of them and how they have to do it. And there's one scene, really graphic and a, a bit grim, but one of the, whichever day of the week it's allowed out, um, she get, she's skateboarding and she hurts herself and she lops the tip of her finger off. So then because they've all got to appear identical, granddad's got a lop off the top of all their fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just really graphic. Bloody hell. Um, but no, it, it, I think Noomi play, Pace is good. She's obviously playing a lot of characters in it. Um, so she's she's got a lot to do. Um, Glenn Close is the, is the uh, antagonist and, and she's reasonably good there. Uh, the ending, the more towards the ending you get, the more kind of hunger games it gets, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, the more like it ends up... Towards the end, it starts getting more like... Um, a Hunger Games film or a Divergent series film, one of those. But for the main body of the film, it's it's good but not great. It's an interesting idea um, that that's pulled off for the most part well enough. Um, it's definitely worth a watch, I'd say, and definitely one of the better. I know Netflix have done well with their like more episodic TV show kind of things, but not their movies. But this is probably one of the better movies, I'd say, they've put out.
1: It sounds interesting. It sounds like an interesting idea. Do you think it is a result of the Netflix algorithms again going, oh, Orphan Black's quite popular. Should we make something a bit like Orphan Black?
0: No, because it's not really like Orphan Black. It's just, it's, it's, the only way it's really like Orphan Black is the one person playing multiple versions of a character or a person. Right. So in Orphan Black, I watched the I watched the first two or three series of Orphan Black and quite liked it. but just started getting more and more confusing and I kind of lost interest. Um but it in in that it was uh, the the main actress was playing multiple versions of a clone. There was different, you know, it was mm-hmm. this woman had been cloned for some reason. I can't remember why now, and she was playing different versions of this clone in in uh, what what happened to Monday. She's playing different sisters, so they've all. But it's the same thing. They've all got distinct personalities and and yeah. I suppose qualities and skills and whatever. Um, so that's the only similarity really. The plot's the plot's different and you know, but hmm. yeah, I'd i say it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you like kind of near future dystopian uh stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. Uh yeah, definitely definitely worth a go. Um, Liam, what have you seen this week?
2: Well, uh, um, I've seen an absolute bell to my film of the best film of the year for me so far, um uh, Lady Macbeth. And it's uh, it's nothing to do with Shakespeare, it's purely, um, it's based on, um, oh, I got really into Russian literature when I was in the late teens, early twenties sort of thing and trying not to put anyone off this, it is not highbrow, not overly highbrow, um, it's based on a, a Leskov novel of similar name and it's basically like a, a Madame Bovary type Lady Chatterley thing, So woman who is married off to the local landlord sort of uh, estate like owner this has been transplanted to northern England um, sort of you're not told anywhere but you would say from the accents and the uh, the scenery sort of north east Northumberland Doham way um, okay and yeah um, she's married off to the local landlord he treats her abominably she's sort of um Early mid nineteenth century, you'd say, um, and she's she. It goes in with the best of intentions, but um, it all gets shut down on her. Uh, she kind of starts, and she's first a bit stalked and kind of half attacked by this um, new worker on the estate, but then she very quickly uh, reciprocates and um, pretty much jumps on him, <laughs> and uh, it goes. On from there, uh, spiral starts and breaks down into a complete. It's one of the most chill, cold, and chilling uh, murder murder type films. It's um, you'd have to call it. I suppose it would get called a, a period drama type thing, but uh, there's an awful lot of sex and violence involved as well, uh, which usually does help these things, I think. <laughs> but uh, she's um she certainly takes the lead and comes rushing out of her shell and it's i mean it is jaw-droppingly good i can't say i've particularly heard of anybody in it um it's reasonably faithful to the novel if anybody's read that um the ending is completely different um and this really benefits for it um it's been adapted by alice birch who is not someone uh, i'm not aware of her work but keep your eye open because this is really good um it's a relatively unknown cast apparently uh, florence Pugh, who everyone's tipping as being the next big thing so i think she takes the lead and is she's excellent she really is a superb actress uh it goes along um, cosmo jarvis who i've never heard of at all is the the male lead sebastian in the in that he's the worker, the the, the estate worker, who uh, she starts up an affair with, and she starts the murder off, but he is involved as well um, in, in in the mayhem that ensues. Um, I would say if it's if it's got one fault, it might be her accent, which is sort <laughs> of Durham via Durban and Dublin. Uh, right. It's a bit of a right mix up. Uh, yeah her accent isn't the greatest at times and it, it, it you know where is this sorry you know mm-hmm. once or twice it does actually sound irish but uh other than that this is i mean it looks brilliant the sound really works somehow it, it's it's the inside of the house is appropriately echoey and it leaves you in no doubt as to how what a cold and horrible place this is uh, to be um Cold in all senses of the word, not just mm. temperature-wise. Um, I have to say that uh, Naomi Aki, uh, who plays um, the servant, who's unfortunate enough to witness some of it, and then becomes her uh, life just deteriorates beyond belief. Um, uh, this is on Curzon. I'm, I'm why I'm stumbling so much is I'm desperate not to give any um spoilers away because this is on. Curzon, at the moment, been recently added. Uh, Curzon's, Curzon and Movie are probably my two go to sources for film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on Curzon for £4.50. It's worth a five of anybody's money anytime. I mean, it's an hour and a half long. I'll tell you what, just watch it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's certainly it's got a hell of a lot more to it than what you would call your, your average sort of period drama type thing so yeah definite recommend for me best thing i've seen this year
1: just on the mention of curzon i was going to ask have you been to any curzon cinemas at
2: all i haven't no uh,
1: there's one opening in oxford uh in october which uh looks very swanky and they're, they're likely to show films that i'm not going to see anywhere else i think a Curzon cinema
2: that's right yeah they do tend to pick this yeah they, i mean that's why i love the app so much um app and websites Um, you've got a real mix of stuff on it and they keep so much on there that I mean they've just got you can search by country by director by genre all sorts of brilliant stuff on there uh, this is really highly recommended I couldn't believe it was £4.50 I thought it was going to be one of their tenner jobs but uh, even so (laughs) it's worth a tenner anyway um, I would yeah. still be singing its praises at the Taylor. Cool. Superb
0: film. That was Lady Beth. Uh Maya, what have you seen that wasn't the Dark Tower? <laughs> um
3: <laughs> I um went to see the Hitman's Bodyguard. Um even though a lot of people told me not to go and see it. I wanted to um have a little have a little look at it. It's the um Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson, um Gary Oldman's in it. Um I think her name's Elodie Young. Some people might know her um, as Elektra in Daredevil, oh, right. <laughs> Netflix series. It took me until the end of the movie to actually pinpoint where I knew her from, um, which says a lot about the movie, so I was thinking more about that than, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel <laughs> Jackson. Um, it was okay. There were some funny bits in there. Um I went to see it with my brother, which was a really bad mistake, because he likes repeating lines once they've been oh dear. said, yeah. <laughs> and all the funny ones, which then were not very funny. Um, the, the the crowd at the cinema seemed to really like it. Um, they were all laughing along, and I think I, I liked most of it, and there were some, you know, bits of humour that were quite quite funny and really just made me chuckle for a little bit longer but um overall it was okay you know samuel jackson plays a hitman that's um got a lot of people after him and ryan reynolds is his bodyguard basically and um <laughs> yeah there's not much else to say they all do what they're supposed to do samuel jackson is samuel jackson um uses the phrase motherfucker way too often but then they do make a joke about that as well Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is brilliant with his sarky humour. Um, and Gary Olman was pretty good, actually. I quite liked him in that, um, with a quite interesting Russian accent. Um, which he does quite well, in my opinion, anyway. Um, it was, it was a bit of fun. It was, if you don't want to be thinking about a movie, if you don't really want to be thinking, um about how it should be like, you know, the storyline and the characters and how it actually all works together. If you just want a bit of popcorn fun, The Hitman's Bodyguard was was that for me. I know a lot of people really, really disliked it. Um, I just thought it was all right. An action comedy and that's exactly what it was.
1: It's so interesting. The way you've described it is, to me, seems like, because uh, it's directed by Patrick Hughes, isn't it? Who... Yes, he yeah. directed Expendables three, and I would have described Expendables three as functional, and then it just does yes. what it's supposed to do, and nothing particularly outstanding about it. So that sounds similar to what Hitman's Bodyguard might be yes. like. I,
3: yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it's like. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't think I can say anything different other than, yeah, it's very much typical Expendables, very formulaic, mm. just what you want, really, just what you mm-hmm. want in a in a fun popcorn movie, you know, going in an evening where you're just stressed and want something to laugh at, that will do it. It does it for most of the film for me, but not for a lot of them, um, mm. but yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds for me had the most humour, and Sam Hayek actually was very funny. Um I love it when she swears because her <laughs> accent and and language is just hilarious and she was very, very cool in it. Um but yeah, they yeah, it's it's very much like Expendables mm. 3 in that sense, in terms of it, it is just a bit of fun. And it does what it's supposed to do, which is get a whole cinema crowd laughing and mm-hmm. giggling throughout it. It's not it's not overly long. I think let's have a look. It was um oh, okay it's just under two hours um but well, at, at times half an hour it longer felt like... than the dark terror though <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah there were moments where i thought come on keep the keep it going and the ending was a bit rubbish at times um but overall it was i quite liked it Bit of an average film. You always
0: know a uh, review going well when someone comments on on how long the film is.
3: You
0: know? So <laughs> oh, it was under, it was under two. You know, I'm trying to think. Of it was under two hours, so that was good. Um, <laughs> but yes, that was the Hitman's Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Owen and I have both seen the Dark Tower, the latest Stephen King adaptation to hit the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, before you talk about the film itself, have either of you read the book? dark tower books
3: No
1: I haven't I have all of them but... sitting on the shelf on my bookcase uh, I read the first one n- didn't read any of the others and I, it was so long ago that I read it I remembered barely why... anything at all about
0: it Why did you why did you read one and not the others because you didn't like them It
1: was it just felt it... like it was going to be a slog I read that first one and like I'm not sure I'm fully committed now to reading the rest of these I bought them as just a bundle. Okay. there on It might have been even when, like, Borders was closing down, I think. And I just went, right, right, I'm getting all <laughs> yeah. these. And then uh, read the first and was like... I mean, I get the... So, okay, well, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about Dark Terror first of all. It was, it's obviously Stephen King's um, novel, uh, which is meant to be, like, his uh, kind of magnum opus. You know, it's his whole series of fantasy books. There's eight of them in total. Uh, inspired by both The Lord of the Rings and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So if you can imagine a world that meshes those two together, that's what he was going for. And the first book, all I I remember of it is, hmm, this is like Clint Eastwood fights uh, magic. That's what it felt like. (laughs) And so the, the film, I think, tries to capture that vibe. But instead of Clint Eastwood, it's Idris Elba. Uh, I just think it was a bit wide of the mark. I don't, which isn't meant to be a pun about the gunslinger who's always accurate and stuff. But I just think it just didn't. It just. It it was just plain, bland, vanilla, boring. I just didn't enjoy it very much. What did you think, Maya?
3: Um. Yeah. I I thought it was less than all right. Yeah. Yeah, really, really plain, quite boring. There were some bits in it that I thought were nice. Some of the acting I thought was okay. Um, You know, I quite often can't fault Mm -hmm. Matthew McConaughey or Idris Elba, um, but even they couldn't save it. It was just a bit boring and it was dry. I expected, you know, it's a story about a gunslinger. I was expecting Mm -hmm. a bit more excitement from the film and it wasn't really there
1: yeah it wasn't exciting was it nothing it just kind i think because one of the things that i read up about this um over the weekend so it's a 12a fantasy story right it's it's 12a rated and very much i think aimed at kids but it is very heavy on the gun porn right there's lots and lots of by which i mean they're into guns not anything lewd but uh with guns no i'm going off topic so like what i mean is that it's just it's very impressed with how it sh- people can be shot and killed by guns and it kind of celebrates that which makes it feel a little bit awkward i mean i like action movies as i've said millions of times on here we just mentioned yeah. expendables i'm a fan of the expendable series but this still kind of glorifies shooting people and stuff like i don't kill with my gun i kill with my Heart or whatever he said as part of his yeah. mantra. It's like hmm. I saw it a few
3: a few hours ago, and I still can't remember what it was.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't kill with my gun. I kill with my heart, and I don't something with my gun. I
0: whatever it is.
3: With the mind. I don't know. Yeah, with Guns the mind. Guns don't yeah. kill
0: people. People kill people. <laughs> yeah. Guns don't kill something people. Something like that. do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um. Uh, where was i going with that yeah so basically i think it, as far as like it being aimed at a 12a audience i'm a little bit unsure if that's really what they should have done because it comes out feeling like it's trying to be uh it wants to be a percy jackson or uh, you know something of that ilk yeah but it's it's just the the source material is just a bit too mature for it to be that i think um, but then, at the same I time, I was fully p-
3: expecting it to be mm. more um, violent, just yeah. by the, the fact that it is about a gunslinger and everything. Yeah, I'm like you. I, th- I thought it was a bit mature for a 12A.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no like people aren't being, you know, limbs aren't blown off with turrets yeah. attached to you know tanks or anything like that. It's not. It's not that kind of. It is literally about him and his pistol. Which is forged from yeah. the sword of Excalibur, by the way. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
3: That was an uh, interesting. Really that might be in a moment where I actually stopped and paid a bit more attention. And thought, wait, there. What did he mm. just say?
1: Yeah. What did that? What? What are you even talking about, Matthew McConaughey? You weirdly yeah. <laughs> s- creepy man. You strange <laughs> creepy man. In this, he is. Oh. he's. I don't don't know him personally, but yeah, and this is just a weird. He's the man in black. He's the villain, um, who again I don't think is villainous. He's a he's the bad guy because you're kind of told he's the bad guy, and he makes a kid eating ice cream hate her mom for no reason. Yeah, you go, oh, what a bastard! What a git! That was brilliant. Um, but that's a, yeah, but that's about as as far as it stretches to. You go, oh, what a git! What a Why is he destroying the tower again? Oh, it doesn't really matter. He just wants to destroy the tower. Oh, what what an arsehole.
3: Yeah, it doesn't actually go into why he wants to do that at all, does it really? Unless I fell asleep.
1: No, no. If you did, I fell asleep at the same point because... Okay, then. it, It talks about he wants to use children's minds to power his weapon to blow up the tower that is holding the various universes together. Right. But it doesn't
3: explain why he wants to blow up the tower, does it?
1: Why? Yeah, it tells you what he wants to do. It tells you the consequences of, uh, consequences of him doing that. It tells you that Idris Elba is the last in the line of a, uh, a group of gunslingers that tried to stop him from doing that. But there's no real motive apart no. from he wants to destroy the world. Okay. All right, then. Carry on with your story. Let's see where it goes. Oh, it goes nowhere. Nowhere does it go. <laughs> It is just a series of scenes that have no real acts to them. Could you tell tell people where the first act ends, where the second act begins? Where the third act is in this? I mean Uh oh God no. It's no it doesn't
3: feel no. structured
1: like that. It's just a s it's no. just lots of scenes cobbled on top of each other.
3: Yeah, there are a few cool bits with Matthew McConaughey, the way, you know, when he tells mm. People to you know stop breathing and other such things and they they were pretty cool, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it it was quite confusing at parts and I oh yeah. yeah, I was quite I was quite often thinking oh I wonder wonder how long I've got when I get home until I start recording the podcast that's
1: what I was say about yeah I mean it's directed yeah it's directed by a guy called Nikolai Arsel who's Danish his kind of main credits. Um, he directed uh, a royal affair with Mads Mikkelsen, which is actually quite good. I quite like that. But he also wrote the screenplay. I think he's primarily a screenwriter. He wrote the screenplay for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the original version.
3: Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> well, I think that it. it well, oh, I liked it.
1: He was. I think he was booked for this gig because other people kept dropping out of it. So originally, J.J. Abrams was uh. supposed to to adapt. The, uh, the Dark Tower series after Lost, uh, and that never happened. Then they got Ron Howard in. He was going to get the project off the ground. That didn't happen either. If they make any more, I will eat my hat because I do not see how this is going to turn into a successful series. This is bombed. No. By all accounts, this is bombed critically at the box office. Um, yeah it's not a success by any kind of measure uh, which in a way is a shame it would be nice to see an, a, a good epic fantasy series after you know we've had Lord of the Rings and Hobbit and Game of Thrones is now in its penultimate series I mean it still would be nice for, for to see that but I don't think it's going to be the Dark Tower series no
0: this week sees a return of our triple bill feature where as the dark tower has been released which is of course a Stephen King adaptation we pick our favorite three Stephen King adaptations either TV shows or films and um, whichever we prefer or a combination of which yeah we kind of left it
1: quite broad i think it just could be your favorite three yeah Stephen King big screen things or
0: yeah maybe even you could have picked the, the, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror where they did The Shining. <laughs> Maybe not that broad. Maybe not I that mean, broad. <laughs> I, I, don't reckon, I don't reckon anyone did, but you, I probably would have let you. Yeah.
1: Okay. No, you could have had something like Creepshow, though, for example, which isn't an adaptation of anything he wrote, but it's his screenplay, which was um, an anthology yeah. horror film. Uh, directed by George yes. Romero. For example, but you could also have had any number of his big screen I mean as we mentioned at the beginning green mile his most um yeah uh
0: highest grossing film. Anything I, in between. I suppose he's, he 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 is of course most known for his kind of horrors mm-hmm. um but he is quite versatile really isn't he in terms of his writing when you look at the films that he's had uh, you know the, the adaptations made was, with things like the Green Mile and Stand by Me and different things like that. Shawshank Redemption. It's not just horrors that he does. He can, he you know, he has got some versatility to him. Yeah, well, I mean, horror is his his strong point.
1: There are some like famous tropes of well, not necessarily tropes, but the things that people associate with all of his work. Anyway, I mean, one of the the sort of cliches or stereotypes of his work is that he can't write an ending. I think that's one of the things that gets thrown at him is that everything is great up until the last 30 pages, um, where things tend to go a bit tits up. Uh, although, like, like his stuff is about, um, you know, the loss of innocence in young people, um, like kids mm. who are forced to grow up quickly due to some traumatic event. That's a common motivation, but that draws from
0: his own personal life, I think.
1: Yeah, similarly, it's about alcoholics or people who are addicted to stuff because he was or is an alcoholic. Uh, stories that deal with grief because of the death of his mum kind of impacted him quite heavily. Lots of stuff about small-town Americana. All of that kind of stuff is present in almost all of his work, regardless of the genre that it kind of fits
0: into. Yeah, but write about what you know. It's working for him.
1: I read he writes 2,000 words mm. a day. Well, he used to write 2,000 words a day up until his car hit and run accident. It was I don't know if it was a hit and run, mm. but his car accident where he was run off the road. As a pedestrian as well, broke his hip, smashed a few other bones. It's a quite a traumatic thing, and that's probably why a lot of his work has stuff about scary cars in it. Because, yeah, like I say, write about what you know. If you're sitting in a room yeah. for like um, hours and hours a day writing 2,000 words, eventually the stuff that you are scared of will creep into your... Your yeah. and stuff.
0: But anyway, Owen, what is your first pick? What is your first choice in this triple bill?
1: Okay. Um, It is probably incredibly obvious, but let's get it out of the way, first of all. The Shining from 1980, which is the Stanley Kubrick adaptation
0: of his novel. That was one of mine as well. Is that one of yours? Yeah, mate. Yeah. And Liam, know, yeah. Maya, yeah, yeah. Did, Maya, did you pick The Shining? Um,
3: no, it's on the my backup one. list, but no, I didn't. The,
0: the only one, <laughs> um, which I'm sure I was probably going to go on to say that Stephen King didn't actually like that adaptation.
1: No, I think he softened over time, but no, he yeah hated it. He um, hated it so much he created his own version. He adapted mm, it himself yeah. as a TV movie. Uh,
0: yeah. So- and and it was where Kubrick was trying to tell us that he filmed the moon that landings. That was the
1: secret message of the, the Shining. Yeah. All that money spent yes. by the studio so he could say, I filmed the moon landing. No.
0: Yes, Kubrick filmed the moon landings.
1: Um, that's what they want you to think. Of course not. No. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I, I think I've explained this, or I've told this story before as well about The Shining. The first time I watched The Shining was when I was about 15, I think, probably 14. Or, I was in secondary school um, and I'd spent ages downloading it on a 56k modem. It took forever. And when I watched it, I laughed all the way through it. I thought it was completely naff and not at all scary. I thought it was hilarious with the naked old biddy in the bathtub and all that kind of stuff. Um, Then, of course, I grew up and watched it again and have come to the sensible and correct conclusion that it's possibly (laughs) one of the best films of all time and certainly one of the best horrors um, and easily for me the best adaptation of a Stephen King novel, uh, even if King himself wasn't particularly pleased with it at the time. I did have a look uh, to see if Stephen King has ever said what his favourite films are based on his work. Unsurprisingly, The Shining mm. doesn't uh, list among them.
0: No, I think he took umbrage to, to Jack Nicholson being cast in it, didn't he? He didn't like Jack
1: I, Nicholson. I, I blame him there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't
2: blame him there. Nicholson's crap.
1: I really? I love Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I like him. Yeah. He's Jack Torrance, the um, aspiring writer who uh, accepts a caretaker, caretaker role, caretaker job at a remote, isolated hotel in the winter. yeah the the story isn't it yeah him and his wife wendy yeah and their son danny who's got the shining or the shine yeah, which is also something that features (laughs) in the dark tower the shine yes and uh yeah then obviously unexplainable ghostly goings-on um yeah no so stephen king said his favorite adaptations of his work do you want me to read them now or should we do it at the end actually
0: do it. Do it at the end. Okay, we'll see if any of those. And we can, and we can all see that. We can all see if we're thinking like Mr. King. Yeah,
1: but The Shining though is just fantastic, isn't it? I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Liam, Steve, you must agree more so than <laughs> than Maya. But what do you? No, what, I love
3: it. I I do like it.
1: Oh, excellent! So we're all in agreement then, yeah, because it is a little bit divisive. Yeah. I know there are some people who, uh, as well as. Um, Stephen King really disliked The Shining, but
2: I think it's an absolutely great movie. I, I still think actually I watched it night before last. Oh yeah. Um, uh, just as a as a mind jogger and uh, you know, uh, just to make sure I wasn't remembering. <laughs> it right. And to be honest, at first I, I thought oh, oh I've booed here. Um, I should have picked something else. This isn't as good as I remember. But it is. It's just it's Nicholson. I I really <laughs> don't like Jack Nicholson as an actor. He's, to me, he's he's a Richard Burton. He's so busy being, <laughs> yeah, Jack Nicholson playing. You know, it's mm-hmm. a Jack Nicholson in a Jack Nicholson production of. Yeah. Sort of thing. he's so busy pulling his faces and looking under his eyes at things. And um, to be honest, Shelley Duvall. It just really struck me this time. I saw I don't know if it was a why it struck me more this time. Just how much she looks like the character in the the. the Painting of the screen. She really does. <laughs> I don't think
1: that's a compliment.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, she, well, she's not exactly having the best day in her life, is she? That's uh, true. can allow her to look at Yeah, a, uh, Yeah. Um, I, I will say, uh, and the, the way she sort of runs about with her, with her arms flailing, does put you in mind of, you know, when uh, Monty Burns goes a bit weird in <laughs> Simpsons and it's in the, you know, when he's running about the woods all glowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, she does remind you of that. Uh, so. <laughs> i'm slagging it off here but i think it's a fantastic film yeah. um uh, despite the people that are in it the kid is brilliant i will give him that mm. Um the, the little boy is brilliant so mm-hmm. creepy and i can't think of many more modern films that have had so many influences in so many other different things you know mm-hmm. um, it's referenced constantly in loads of stuff and um, even like family guy with stewie with his playing blocks um at one point, say, Red Rum.
1: Yeah, and his, tri- his tricycle you know?
0: thing that he rides around on. And so.
2: Yeah, and his tricycle. Yeah, he's always on his trike Yeah, they do that one as well, don't they? And he mm. comes up against the little girls and that. I
0: mean, there's there's yeah. so many things that have parodied The Shining, isn't there? Yeah. Well,
2: that's just a
1: sign yeah. of something that's really got a bit of staying power, isn't it? It was 1980 oh, it yeah. was released. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. still no yeah. contemporary pop culture parodies exist of it. Because it's just so impactful.
3: Yeah. I found it terrifying yeah. Yeah. the first time I watched it. Oh, right. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. And the kid and everything, just the build-up of the tension. Hmm. I yeah. really, really still don't
2: that, Still
0: yeah. don't fully trust twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still something not quite right about them. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so mine and mine and uh, uh, Liam's first choice has has also been taken. So, so Maya, you're up.
3: Okay, um, I've gone with um my and it's not in any particular order in terms of what I like and what I don't like. So I've gone with um, something I watched recently, which was Misery. Ah, okay.
0: That's one of mine as mm-hmm. well. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> and that and, that's, and that I'm just not going to do any talking. No, you can um, do it. It's, no, Misery is one that I only saw recently as well um, on on Sky Go. But yeah, I thought it was great.
3: Yeah, I, I thought I'd seen it before. Um, and I'd always said to um, people, I was like, yeah, I have seen it. I know what it is. I know what it is. I knew the concept and it wasn't until I sat down to watch it that I was like, I have actually seen this before. So probably about a week or so ago, I watched it and I was glued. Normally, I am falling asleep from watching a film um, in the evening after running around after the tiny person but this time I was like glued to it and it was creepy and Kathy Bates was amazing as as is always um, when people talk about misery that's one of the biggest things they say about the film is her and she won an Oscar for that as well didn't she
0: yeah, yeah I think so. when I reviewed it the first time or when I was talking about it I called her Kathy Burke and that's a completely different film yeah yes, that would be completely <laughs> different Yeah, but no, she is. She is amazing in it. Um, just really like intense and
3: the way she switches. Yeah, it's quite. it goes from
0: goes from placid to mental in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it's but like you said when you said you thought you've seen it before, I kind of did. But just for the amount of times it's been like The Shining parody, yes. It's kind of you already know the story because it's been Mm -hmm. parodied so much. Like in The Simpsons and Family Guy and all stuff like that. But by the time you see you actually know know the plot really. Or yeah. know kind of an idea of what's gonna happen. But then you watch the film and the performances are just unreal.
3: Yeah, the um I can't remember what she called it, but the ankle bit. Mm, yeah. I can't remember what she called it now because of the i I'm sure of it. Um hobbling or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was just you know, hands over my face, watching it through a tiny gap in my fingers, and just kind of holding on to my feet as I'm doing that because it was just intense, and just the little bits in there that were quite shocking and quite—it's not a horror, but it—it it really did feel quite tense, like a horror does, um, yeah. in some parts because it is quite a you know really good thriller, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I thought I'd go for. Um, 1990
0: misery. So we're already back to Brant Owen with his second choice.
1: Uh, yeah, I went for Pet Cemetery, 1989, directed by Mary Lambert. I
0: thought you'd go for Pet Cemetery. Yes.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, how many uh, others on this podcast have seen it? I know, Maya, you've seen everything up to the end, right? You didn't go back <laughs> yeah, and watch it. Yeah, I the couldn't. <laughs> no, no. I
3: haven't brought hmm. myself back to, to, to watch. The whole film, yeah, I still can't. Cats and kids in um, horror movies freak the shit out of me, so...
1: And it has both <laughs> of them in that, yeah.
3: Exactly. And I haven't... Been, I know, I haven't been able to finish watching that film yet.
2: I mean, I saw it uh, ages ago. I saw it once a long, long time ago, and it's... Mm-hmm. I'm aware that... Like, I used to watch a lot of horror at that <laughs> time, and it was a, it was a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I, I thought it was a very good film, but I couldn't tell you the damn thing about it now. Yeah.
1: Fair enough, yeah. I mean the the famous line from it is that sometimes dead is better right um uh, sometimes movies about animals and kids maya uh where they die and come back to life are better uh, as horror films yeah. i think it's the it's it's the only movie in my triple bill as well i should say that i read the book before watching the film um but even so even like even knowing the book before Movie, I love the adaptation of Pet Cemetery um, because it's it is just like a glorious B movie popcorn thriller. Um, I mean, for those that don't know the story of it, I mean it's fairly simple. There's a pet cemetery, which is spelled S E M A T A R Y, uh, because the pet cemetery in the small American town, uh, which is down the beaten path behind um, the house of Doctor Lewis Creed his new family home that he's recently moved into, the sign was written by kids, which is kids who were evidently not taught how to spell. Uh, I guess they were, not <laughs> you know, if they were grieving about their recently deceased family pet that wasn't an adult around to say, no, 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 you've spelled that incorrectly. Start again. Paint another sign. But anyway, like the, the cemetery is built next to an, a cursed Indian burial ground. Um, very politically incorrect, which can bring the dead back to life because of some evil Wendigo spirit thing that is there. And so the family's cat dies, and the lovable neighbour, Judd, the one who says the sometimes dead is better line, he helps Lewis bring the cat back to life. And then Lewis' son dies. Uh, He's hit by a truck and... Uh, well, he just plans to use the burial grain to bring his kid back to life as well, and then it all goes a bit horrific. I do really like the book. I think there's a, there's a great audiobook adaptation out there as well of this, um, which used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it's still there. If you find it somewhere, uh, it's well worth checking out. It's just like a dramatisation. Um, but for like a 90-ish minute monster movie, I think this is a really good Stephen King adaptation. I'm aware there are more dramatic uh, King movies. There are, there, are, there are other movies that deal with more heavy subject matter and probably even similar subject matter to this and do it probably better or with more nuance. But I just think this is great. I think everything, everything from Fred Gwynn as Judd, Um to the way it's shot, to the atmosphere of it, um even to the script i think the script is pretty strong for a what is effectively a b movie um i'd really recommend people check it out if they have perhaps scoffed at it at the, in the past or yeah for whatever reason decided not to not to give it a go it also has a very disgustingly disturbing scene towards the end yes so that is another that that <laughs> is what that would be a reco- I stopped it yeah that that would mm. be a recommendation for me if someone said that about it i would go Ooh. I'll make a note of that one. So yeah, Pet Cemetery is um
0: is my second choice. Okay, Uh,
2: Liam, what's your second choice? My second choice, and I'm going to capture in the same way as The Shining. It's very good, despite the actor, (laughs) 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 the Dead Zone. Okay. The Dead Zone with uh, Christopher Walken. Mm. The uh, this is what I thought I'd try and do was uh, was I'd have like my best horror one, my best sort of anthology one. And then my best, I know it's not like tales of the unexpected, but tales of the mildly fucked up, or something <laughs> like that. <No>? But uh, <laughs> the dead zone is basically um, a school teacher. Uh, he's involved in a car accident. Uh, when he comes around, he gets put into a coma. Uh, he comes around five years later. And now, um, again, another one that's been parodied in loads of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyone whose hand he holds, he can suddenly see see into their future usually around often around their deaths but um you can see into the future and it's basically um another one another story that looks into the the idea like if you knew if you'd known in advance what hitler was going to do mm-hmm. would you stop him would you kill him um it's like a moral dilemma like that it's not a horror in any way i suppose mildly a thriller type thing It's more a yeah it's a, it's a, like a, a thriller type thing um, I re again. This is one I rewatched to to make sure I remembered it as being good. Mm-hmm. I remembered it as good as it, as it sort of stuck in my mind. Um, and yeah, I did thoroughly enjoy it again. this despite Christopher Walken, I always think I mean he is a bloke blessed with the perfect looks <laughs> to be in that to be in a a horror or certainly mm-hmm. a psychological thriller type thing. But the only time I've ever seen him act any good was in that. Fat Boy Slim uh, video <laughs> a few years back. That's so the only time I've actually enjoyed a performance of it. Oh, I really uh, like again, him. in
1: the, He thinking... has a little bit in Pulp Fiction, doesn't he? Where he talks about the pocket watch. He's oh, always
2: oh, yeah, yeah that's oh, true. Yeah, that's sorry, cute. I forgot about that a little. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I'll take it back. Yeah, that bit was quite good. Yeah, he was good in that. But um, yeah, not say so other than that, the Fat Boy Slim video is about the only thing I'm taking <laughs> in. But this film is is a real belt. It's back from. From 1983, um, so a long, long old time ago. Um, yeah, it's got plenty of problems about it, if you want to pick holes in it. Like, how the hell he... Um, when he As he comes out of his coma, his mum and dad are there, and um, he hasn't noticed that they're... like. I mean, when, they, when you get old, five years makes a hell of a difference to your opinion. Mm-hmm. To your appearance, rather, sorry. Makes a hell of a difference to your appearance, and... He doesn't realise he's been asleep for five years when he looks at his mum and then just starts talking to him normally. Mm -hmm. Sort of thing, you know, and you think, well, you'd know. And it has several, um, it's got several time-lapse problems in in all of its stories, but I think the overall overarching thing of the, um, if you knew, if you could stop Hitler, would you type Mm -hmm. thing, um, it's been done before, it's been done a lot, but this was a good version of it, the film I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's a good performance from Martin Sheen in it as well. He plays a real bastard, doesn't yes, he? Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh yeah, he yeah he does do he does do bastard very well. Yeah, yeah. and um, he is he is very very good in it. I will give you that. Yeah, um, it's a, just a good story. Well, well done.
1: When I watched it, I was expecting because it's directed by David Cronenberg, for it to be very. Um, uh, uh, Basically, body horror. I more horror, yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, gory, yeah, a bit we twisted, and I don't gruesome, think it was yeah. it was that, but it was definitely yeah. morally vague, wasn't it? There was no um, committal yeah. to what is the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it mm. left it up to you whether you decided he was right or wrong to do what he did. Try doing what he did. Um, the reasons that he did it was it uh, was it a, uh, you know just purely in the public good, future mm-hmm. public good. Was it? A, because um, I mean, he got this girl, he's the girl he was due to marry uh, before his accident. She comes back in the story as a sort of second or third in command to Martin Sheen. So they were certainly involved in the yeah. hierarchy of it, and that. Um, so, you know, how is where's his moral compass coming from? He's involved in it as well. It's honestly, it's a very good film, mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to oversell it, but it's. Um, it's certainly very pleasant when it's been an
0: hour and a half, you know. Okay. Um, Maya, what's your second pick?
3: Um, my second one is um quite a new one, Cell. It's oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's um I think it's on Sky Premier at the moment. Um so I watched it there, um Stephen King's um novel. And it was from last year. Um with John Cusack and Samuel Jackson, um, and it's it's interesting. It's the best way I can try and describe it is it's like Walking Dead, but with mobile phones. The movie starts off with um, John Cusack talking to his wife and kid on the phone at an ha- airport, and he puts his phone away, and there's obviously. As is nowadays, so many people around him on their mobile phones, listen to music um, on their iPads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And something happens, and there's a kind of a frequency noise, and then they all start turning and beating each other, killing each other very, very violently. I thought, in some cases, you know, bashing their own heads against the wall, and it's very. Zombie style, um, but all to do with these mobile phones. Um, he then happens to meet Samuel Jackson along the way. There's obviously a journey where he's trying to get somewhere. He's trying to get back to his um, family to see if they're okay. He meets a few people along the way. Um, yeah, it does. Samuel L. Jackson say, "Motherfucker." I, do you know what? I actually <laughs> waited to to hear. I was I was looking for that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he He actually I was about in no, his contract I was a little upset actually that he didn't say it, but because I was listening for it um it's it's all right it's there were moments i like the concept is quite interesting um because it's very modernized about the whole idea of being controlled via frequencies from your cell phone and and those kind of ideas and there were moments you know the ending was quite interesting, but there were There were some really boring bits in there and, you know, Samuel Jackson didn't say motherfucker. And I think if he did, it might have, I may have enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, John Cusack was all right in it. You know, he said, I think them two have worked together on, um, they were both in 1408 actually, from my recollection, um, which was the other, another Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, it was all right it was It wasn't scary. there were some few gory bits in there. It was an interesting concept that just wasn't really executed that well but um yeah, two thousand sixteens or seventeen actually for for us um sell
0: okay. Uh, We're back round to Owen again for some final picks. So, Owen, what is your last choice?
1: My last choice is um, the first Stephen King novel, Carrie, uh, which was adapted in 1976 by Brian De Palma. And uh, any crossover on that one? No. No? No? Okay, just me on that one then. Um, Yeah, so Carrie is played by City Spacecek and uh oh yeah one of the things i found hey, for the first time watching um or reading up about Carrie uh, earlier was that it's John Travolta's first film role too did not know that right mm-hmm.
0: yeah no who is he, who is he playing
1: he uh was one of her sort of school chums There's a boy who has a car uh, which does not go well for him um, essentially this, I mean, Carrie is the story of a telekinetic or a teenage girl with telekinetic, um, uh, powers, uh, which is instead of like telepathy, it, telekinesis is when you move stuff, right? So she's quite a powerful, or she's learning to, to, that she has these powers where she can move things and control things with her mind, but she is viciously bullied by her fellow students at school. Uh, And has a very paranoid, uh, religious, kind of verging on psychopathic mother who locks Carrie in a cupboard under the stairs with a Bible to pray for her sins. And the sins range from... uh, Basically anything that a a young girl would do for fun is a sin. Uh, Put it that way. Also, really, the film is about puberty and, like becoming an adult or becoming a woman um particularly becoming a woman with with a great big dollop of blood at the end of it just to kind of make sure you get the message right you get it um as well as the it's got an infamous plug it up scene right i know that was a brick big grim uh, but, I just, but like yeah there's a scene where she um has her first period and she doesn't know what she, what's happening to her. And she's in the showers at school because her mom is this religious zealot who won't, who doesn't talk about that kind of thing. Cause it's dirty. And so she is ha- having this, this thing happen to her in the shower. She panics and all the, the kids are just teasing her saying, plug it up, plug it up, plug it up and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very powerful scene within the film, uh, Particularly with regards to the theme that that it's trying to address Um, But I can't help but feel It's a bit weird Because it's a school scene It's in a shower And all of the girls kind of have their uh, Dirty pillows on show As the mother of Carrie calls them If you know what I'm getting at Uh, It's a school, school show scene That's not necessary, Mr De Palma We didn't need that but anyway, uh, so it felt kind of typically King throughout as well, I would say. Um, it's got quite a few disturbing moments in it, quite gory graphic uh, scenes. Um, I wouldn't say it's a terrifying film, though. I think it's just one of these, like I said at the very start, we have, you know, Stephen King's films, they deal with themes of youth, of youth being taken away, um, almost necessarily being shed and I think that's the main theme that runs through Carrie. And it was interesting. That's his first novel. Uh, that lots of stuff that happens in this you can spot in absolutely all of his other um, his other work as well. There are lots of motifs that are brought into this that are there through everything else. But yeah. So yeah, Carrie from 1976. I will say though that that Carrie remake that we also mentioned earlier on um, in the quiz, the remake by uh, Kimberly Pierce that has Chloe Grace Moretz and Julianne Moore in it is also decent. It is actually a fairly good remake. What isn't a good remake okay. or sequel to carry. There were a few films dotted around I think there was one that came out around 2002, 2001 which is not great. You don't need to see that. But the original is is just best. That that film is just fantastic for a whole host of okay. host of reasons. So yeah, Carry my my final
2: choice. Liam, your final choice, please? My final one is uh, I went for like one of the sort of uh, short story anthology type things. But rather than go for um, creep shows, I went for one that I don't think is overly popular, but I, I really enjoy is Cat's Eye.
1: Okay.
2: Um when I said to me first I said to my brother a couple of months back about I was gonna do this triple bill, he said, Well, oh, what about cat's eye? Remember that being good and I thought, yeah. I could only remember one bit, but I've had a rewatch and it's really a very good one. Three stories all linked together. The only thing that links the three of them is this cat that sort of wanders in and out of the first two stories and then is a big part of the third. First story is about um, a man who goes to a service to help you stop smoking. Um, it's James Woods in there and they use extreme measures. To help you pack them up, pack up the facts, which I did oh, last year. And uh, found incredibly old, so I'll go with that. And then I found it dead easy after <laughs> for, after a very really short while, which are probably no end of people trying to do it. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the idea is uh, they won't do anything to you, but they are always watching. And the minute you light up, they'll do something to your family. <laughs> Like, uh, the wife is put into a, into a room with an electrified floor um and then later you show um, like bits of fingers being chopped off have been chopped off if you stray from the uh you know the, the straight and narrow line sort of thing um really it's it's been done a couple of times i think it's one of his cuz he um like was said before about his uh, his fascination with addiction um with alcohol being an alcoholic. Um this is about giving up the fags and it's it's a a good story. It's bits of it are very well done. Notable for a really good um, a really good song I like that uh, 96 Tears by the Mysterians. Uh that plays when they electrify the floor. So you know even if you get electrified at least you get the <laughs> tune to go with it, you know? And then uh, the second story uh, is the one that stuck in my mind the most, the one I could remember the most about. Uh, it's the fella whose name escapes me now. The bloke from Airplane with the drinking problem. Oh you know, the, yeah. Uh... Oh, what's his name? Is it Robert Hayes. Hayes yes. Yeah, it like is Robert like Hayes. Name? Yeah. Yeah. Robert Hayes. So, yeah, him. Um, he's in it as a gambler who's carrying on with um, the he's having an affair with the wife of a a real. Um, sort of high stakes high roller gambler and he gets found out and this man basically he he gets a choice Um, they'll either plant he's got the sheriff in his pocket this fellow and they will either plant a load of cocaine in this bloke's car and he'll do 15 years in prison or he can take the gamble which is to walk around the ledge of the top of a hotel a very high hotel uh, it was reasonably windy, and uh, the bit that always stuck in my mind with this the bit the the image I had that was the bit that stuck, um reminded me, oh yeah, we'll rewatch it. Was uh, a pigeon constantly pecking at his ankles as he's trying to go round the corner of these buildings. Um, that's the second short story, and then the third one where the the cat actually takes part in. It is um, of a little girl, Drew Barrymore, in one of her first, I think it's about her fourth or fifth film. Um, she's in it as a very young girl uh, with um, a troll, living, a weird little troll living in her skirting board. And um, the cat comes to save her. That's kind of the shtick, is right at the very start. She appears as a mannequin, um, a mannequin in a shop window that the cat is looking in. And she starts going on about you have to help me, and it's a loose thing that runs throughout like that. And one thing I will say that one of the bits I did enjoy most about this is it's got lots of little uh, humorous nods, especially in the interlude between things. Is that the the very first scenes of the film are the cat running away from a Saint Bernard dog that's got blood all over it, and uh, um, so it's referencing Cujo there. Runs past a car that nearly gets run over by a car that's got a Christine sticker on its um on its bumper. And um there's numerous references to other sh- uh, Stephen King works in it. Um actually Pet Cemetery um, is referenced in it with um the story with the troll, the mother of the mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore's mum in it. Um he's laying in bed. On the night where this troll really attacks and it all kicks off, um, she's laying in bed reading the book, and you just see as she goes to put it down the back of the book, um, it's Pet Cemetery that she's reading. So um, it's lots of little half-numerous, uh, sort of humorous nods there. Um, I just found it a better watch and an easier, an easier going. It's got humorous highlights in it, so it's a bit different to other bits of creepshow, which. To be honest, I think I watch so often that I kind of bored myself mm-hmm. off, you know? Um, when back ages ago, sort of thing, when I was watching loads of that sort of thing, mid-late um, mid, mid teens sort of thing, mid-teens sort of era, um, I watched loads of that sort of thing, and I think I kind of bored myself of that. So that's why Cat's was, Eyes um, was a good choice for me. I like that one, even though it seems to be rather unpopular if you look online about it. Yeah, I hadn't I even heard so of it, but I'd never anyone. heard of it before. It's a, yeah. Are you not? No, 1985. Oh, IMDb give it 6.3 and gets moaned at about, doesn't um, Different things, but... No, it's a... three three reasonably entertaining. It's certainly lightweight. There's suspense to a couple of... More suspense than anything, but it's all got light, humorous touches and that, and it's a... It's a nice film to watch.
0: Okay. my um, your final choice, please.
3: Okay. Uh, my final choice is probably quite an obvious one, actually. Uh, 1994 Shawshank Redemption.
0: Yeah, that's the same as me.
1: I, I thought we were going to get through the whole thing then without mentioning Shawshank.
0: I was getting a bit nervous. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it
3: needs to be mentioned, doesn't it? And that's why I left it to yeah. last.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I considered leaving it out because it's too obvious, but I thought, well, I can't really because it's bloody brilliant.
3: Yeah, and I think that's what that. Yeah, that's why I thought I did it in that a very obscure order, just so I could leave Shawshank <laughs> to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. I I'm absolutely amazing. I would love to read the novel. I actually haven't, um, and it's something that is on my list of books that I do want to read eventually. Um, but I absolutely love the film. You can watch it over and over again. Um, I I don't know what else to say other than it is absolutely fantastic.
0: Was it? The, is it possibly the start of Morgan Freeman's career as a narrator?
3: I can imagine so. Yeah, he was does it,
0: was such it the a first good film, job. Was it the first film that he he done a narration?
3: I don't know actually, but if if it but, was, it he did a very good job, and yeah, I can see why. Yeah, absolutely. But it
0: yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's 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 there it was a spell where it was on like ITV. You know how ITV two have filmed in rotation. Yeah. There was like a period where it was on like every week, and probably watched some of it at least once a fortnight, if not all of it.
3: It is one of those is... films that you could just go to and go, oh yeah, I'll watch that, and 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 then you just realise how much you enjoy it again and again and again, and I think every time I watch it. I noticed something different about it or something new or, you know, something that I'd never caught mm. before. Um, but, yeah, it's so powerful and it's such a good story. Such a good I, story. Yeah,
0: I just love the scene where Andy Dufresne gets some old beers on the roof. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the mixture of flashbacks and, and uh, just the way that the characters develop a bond and then... You know, it's all about you know, with survive on the outside as well as there where they actually are and it's and quite injustice.
0: clever as well the way the plot progresses yeah. and unfolds. Um, I think
2: it's one of the the least Stephen Kingy of the, the, what you would automatically sort of assume in in your head as still. I know he's quite a varied writer, as we've said before, but I was surprised when I because I didn't. I think I must have come into it halfway through when I very, very first saw it, like, Donkeys years ago. Sort of thing. And it was until, like, the end when they said, based upon Stephen King, sort of thing. I, really? I would never have put that down. And it's a fantastic yeah. film, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's great all round, really, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that you just... Yeah. You don't have to say much more than, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah. And yeah. you will love it. Yeah. And if you don't, you're an idiot.
0: Or or <laughs> Owen, as you said, I thought we were going to go through this whole thing without mm-hmm. it being mentioned. Do you not like it?
1: I uh, do like it. I'm always baffled when I'm reminded that it's the best film ever, 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 according to IMDb ratings. I think it's not really though, is it? It's not. It's good. Um, and I know. I I don't. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. It even makes me forget that I hate narration. Because I hate narration in movies It really is one of those bugbears of mine And particularly Morgan, Even, in
0: Morgan... Pa... Even with Morgan Freeman's
1: Dulcet tones Particularly Morgan Freeman's Dulcet tones Have you... What's that Clint Eastwood film where there's the Woman boxer um, Million Dollar A Million Baby Million Dollar Baby, Baby yeah. In that the narration is Completely pointless of Morgan Freeman, just literally just says what you see on the screen. It doesn't add anything. Just stop it. It's irritating.
0: Do you, remember, do you remember when he just ended up doing narration for a bit, like on the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds film? He just done the narration yeah. at the beginning and the end. It oh god, yeah, film. that was
3: him, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> just talking about aliens getting the getting the flu and that.
1: Yeah, it became a para- like a joke and a cliche because it was. Yeah, just done all the time for no reason and didn't ever add anything, but I think, um, I mean, even I can't deny really it it was, it was good in Shawshank. I think he's great in it, um, but yeah. Shall I tell you something as well? So I mentioned earlier about Stephen King, uh, and his three yeah. favorite uh, adaptations of his work. Uh, the, yeah. the Shawshank Redemption is one of the yeah. three. Yeah. Aww. The other two we haven't mentioned yet. Do you, have a, do you want to have a guess what you think they might be?
2: I was surprised nobody mentioned Children of the Corner. <laughs> Were you? you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought because I don't like it, but I don't like it, but it seems incredibly popular all the time. It's
0: dog shit. <laughs> it's a terrible film. Was Stand By yeah. Me one of his favourites?
1: Stand By Me was one of his favourite. Uh, three adaptations see
0: now I thought about Stand By Me for my list <laughs> yeah thinking you know it's a it's a nice coming of age film um, and it reminds me of growing up with friends but I thought well me and my friends never went and looked for and found a dead body so I can't really draw many comparisons with it no <laughs>
1: That's well, did the you ever have friends then? like yeah. friends you made when you were 12 did I ever have
0: did I ever, did I, did I ever have friends yes I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I have friends uh, yeah that seems a bit far fetched <laughs> alright
1: yeah. um yeah okay so that's so far Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me um uh, is the one I don't know whether you'll guess straight away but is his other the third favorite is other the favorite I should say um,
3: um I'm gonna have a guess at one the one I'm reading Needful Things
1: no that no, would I be an obscure I've, guess but no
3: I've not seen <laughs> the film I've heard it's rubbish
1: uh it's not that obscure um the the Langoliers, the what? Langoliers? Is that how it's said? I don't know. I don't know what that is. No, not no. that one. Anyway, no, no. It's, I'll give you a clue. It's another Frank Darabont film. Same director as Shawshank. The, sure the Mist. The Mist. Yep. He said his. <laughs> I mean the en- <laughs> the endings. The endings, great. I really like the Mist. I think it's a really good sci-fi monster movie. Um. But yeah, the ending is fantastic. The ending is also not the ending from the book. Uh, the, yeah. Another one, actually, where I read the novel before, or well, the short story before watching the film. And then that ending to the film was like, what the fuck is this? This is dark. This was not what I was expecting at all. Um, but yeah, so his three favourite adaptations of his own uh, novels are Stand By Me, Shawshank Redemption, and The Mist. Uh, two of which didn't feature in any of our combo. triple bills. It is an interesting mm. combo, yeah.
0: But the, the the misending the film version is great.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: it's just horrible, isn't it? It is,
1: yeah. Funny, really um, darkly funny because it's not real. It's fake. It's a movie, yeah. so you can laugh at it. But yeah, pretty grim. Um,
0: but yeah, that's all for uh, for the triple bill uh some great suggestions in there um but to finish of the podcast some recommendations I'm gonna go with the one I spoke about in uh what i have been watching what happened to Monday on Netflix owen
1: uh well I've kind of got two recommendations really they're on TV so Friday night on film four it's basically I couldn't not mention this Friday night film four from nine pm there's a double bill of predator and then predator two uh Obviously, Predator Two is on after Predator, um, but the one that I thought would be what, that I should probably mention because it's Bank Holiday Monday, people sometimes like to just treat it like a Sunday, uh, just watch an afternoon afternoon TV uh, film uh, on Channel Five. Weekend at Bernie's It's not Weekend at Bernie's, no, no. It's uh, at half past well two thirty five p.m. on Channel Five. Uh, the Searchers. The John Wayne, John Ford oh, classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is also on Definitely. after Rio Lobo, but I thought you, you don't have to watch Rio Lobo if you don't want to, but you do have to watch The Searchers. It's mandatory. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: it's, 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 t- <laughs> technically, that's three recommendations. But, yeah, what? fine. Three then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Maya?
3: Um, I've kind of gone for two, only because they're on at the same time, so you've got a choice. Um, Friday, 9 p.m., um, I did have Predator on there, actually. Um, but on Dave is Centurion, and on Watch is Demolition Man, Friday 9pm. Okay,
2: and Liam? I oh, like you, the one I, I went on, what we've been watching, so Lady Macbeth on on Curzon, uh, or if you want one on telly, um, next next Tuesday night, I think it is, uh, on film four, I've got the Hungarian film White God, which is uh, about dog uprising. Oh, yeah. Um not as weird as it sounds, but it's very good. I thought for a, very like, nice. there was a split
1: second, like, the tiniest part of my brain then that when you were starting to say that, I thought you were going to say The Hunger Games. I was like, that's not very Liam like.
2: Oh. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no, 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 Now you know I have completely gone mental if I start with <laughs> it. Exactly,
1: somebody. yeah. When it no, ended with yeah. from Gary, and I was like, Oh, there we go. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's Liam. Yeah, that's it, yeah.
2: Hungary. Yeah. Hungary's um. brilliant. You should always look up Hungary from film. They make some great films out there.
0: Well that is all for this week's Failed Critics podcast, then. Uh thank you to Liam and Maya for joining me and Owen. And thank you all for listening. Um, Owen, what are we doing next week? Um other than Don't Say a podcast.
1: We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Uh, 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 it's um basically you and I have to take a back seat almost next week because we've got uh, Andrew Brooker. He's back uh, on the podcast. Uh, and so is Mike Shawcross for the first time in what must be like 18 months, 24 months. Um, because of Fright Fest is taking place uh, uh, from the 24th to the 28th. Both... Andrew and uh Mike are attending Frightfest. And they're gonna join us and basically tell us what was great about Frightfest, uh, what films we should look out for, uh, all of that kind of kind of thing. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. I I, I always like uh hearing Good. about Frightfest.
0: Well, yes, yeah, so I said thank you for joining us and join us for the Fright Fest special next week. Mm-hmm.
1: Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with contributions from different guests every week with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit remixed by James Yule who you can find at jamesyule.com You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics on iTunes and all good podcast apps or you can check us out at failedcritics.com If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review and why not check out our sister podcasts Character Unlocked and Field & Mullinger's Underground Knights from the Failed Media Network of Podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: This week sees a return of our Triple Bill feature and with the Dark Tower being a Stephen King adaptation, we're going to take a look at our favourite three um, Stephen King adaptations, whether that's a, a film or a TV show, uh, entirely up to ourselves. Um, oh and you did ask our, our fans on twitter for theirs did we get Kurt, any responses Kurt,
1: let's no let's not mention the fact that only one person replied and that is the husband of one of the people present <laughs> on this podcast okay <laughs> we'll, yeah we'll he, said was, he said he he's a bit of an
3: idiot with it i saw i, I
0: saw that i saw the tweet just before i left work for football and then haven't looked since I haven't yeah I, I don't time, think it was so. entirely
3: serious no, it wasn't. Okay. No, not Sleepwalk- what, He said
1: sleepwalkers, what- thinner, and dreamcatcher. I kind of resent thinner being <laughs> in there because I think thinner's fine. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with thinner. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's yeah, it If you want to go all guardian, it's quite problematic because a gypsy puts a curse on a fat man that keeps making him thinner. But um, you know.
0: Okay. Well, I'll um, I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll start again. Okay. <laughs>